Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. It is your favourite cyclists of Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You just said Melbourne writers. Oh my God. (laughs) And I said it's your favourite cyclist. Now it's funny. (laughs) I think it was always funny. Uh, Yes. I felt nothing but blank inside. (laughs) And producer out of LA. <laughs> guys. guys, it's the last episode. It's our favorite episode, actually, of the year. The final Thursday episode where we are looking back at the year that was. As is tradition, we have cracked open the champagne. We are recapping some of our favorite wrecks of the year. Zara is sneaking in a couple of fresh ones too. We're looking back at the top pop culture stories that shaped 2022 as well. I think we'll also probably share a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff with you guys, what segments we loved, what we might have very slight regret about maybe, and what we're taking away from the year. Yeah, and we decided, Mish, that today we were going to shake things up, or this year we were going to shake things up. And I think as any of our 2,000 listeners who came to our live show will know, this year we launched the inaugural COAs, which is the 2022 Shameless End of Year Awards. Now, at the live show, Mish, what we actually did was we had our audience vote on the biggest and best stories of the year and we gave out like completely imaginary awards <laughs> to the best stories in different categories. And we had such a good time that we thought we need to do this every year. We need to recap the year as an awards show and have people have their say on what their favourite stories are in certain categories. For sure. I mean, we're constantly talking about the Oscars and the Grammys and the BAFTAs. Why not <laughs> invent our own awards show? So, guys, welcome to the COAs. You're actually going to be voting on your winners over on our Instagram account at Shameless Podcast in this week's Your Say Friday. So instead of typical Your Say Friday, 
It's your award season time. You are all the judges. You are voting. Guys, before we dive in, cheers. Cheers. It's what nine, a bloody year. Yay. It's 9.30 in the morning. I couldn't cheers. think of a better time to have a champagne. <laughs> 9.30 in the morning, but here we are. Do we want to start with Rex? Yeah, let's start with our Rex because there is a lot going on. I want to quickly start with a fresh Rex and then I'll move on to my favourite Rex of the year, if you'll allow me. Absolutely. Because it's I'm, the final episode. Let's just relax into I it. I feel like we could be here a while, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so sit back and relax. So I read this story today. It was published on Vanity Fair's Instagram, but it's actually from 2017. And the headline had me in a chokehold. Now, the headline is Titanic's greatest unsolved mystery involves a conga line, PCP and an unidentified chowder <laughs> now essentially what the story was about is how on one of the final days of shooting titanic on the boat all of the crew members were accidentally poisoned through chowder what yes i don't i'd never heard this story ever what are they doing eating chowder is so, my first point <laughs> on they were on the boat it was the last day of shooting on the boat right they all a lot of them sat down to have like a seafood chowder no one could quite remember exactly what it was some people say clams some people say mussels it's a whole thing and what actually ended up happening is someone on that set poisoned everyone who ate the chowder with pcp which is like a hallucinogenic oh shit so we're not talking food poisoning no, we're no. talking like legit poison. everyone got high and they had one day left on the boat to shoot. So James Cameron, the director what of the, the film, <laughs> was like, it was absurd. You had people like doing conga lines, people pushing chairs down the hallways of the boat, other people having full on anxiety attacks, people vomiting. And I was like, how have I never heard this story from the set of Titanic? Who would do that? And Why do I think Leo? Is it because he like, like he's the only person I know involved in the film? <laughs> no, because the thing is, it was investigated by the police for two and a half years and they've never worked out <gasps> oh who did it. Oh my God. This is my favorite kind of crime mystery no one died no one i hope not no one I was mean, seriously people injured. were drugged but yes people formed conga lines yes. it sounds like they were having well, a pretty good time well some people i think it affected people very very differently so some people had a terrible time some people had an amazing <laughs> time but i was like how have i never heard this story that is insane so do we get to any form of conclusion james cameron says that he thinks he knows who it was but he doesn't say who it is oh that's like the time we talked about the celebrity kicking the dog and never told anyone who it was yeah we never will people, people still come up to me at the pub and ask who it is and sometimes if i've had enough drinks i'll tell them someone got it right. we still get dms someone got it right last week someone... yeah people get it right a lot and actually yeah. quick shout out as well sorry i was at the pub on saturday night and i did meet a listener in the bathrooms and i completely knocked her fresh drink out of her hand <gasps> oh, under no. the under the cubicle and she said don't buy me a new one and i said kate i'll give you a shout out on the podcast oh! drink kate. anyway that did remind me just that <laughs> So that's my fresh recommendation. I'll put the link in our show notes. That is banger. Yeah, I told you you would love it. Yes. Tell me about your best or your favourite rec from the year. Okay, so I was going through our spreadsheet. Thank you to the listeners who keep updating that. Or is that you now, Annabelle? No, I don't do it. I will not take credit for that. (laughs) Listeners, update that for us. I think it's become like a community thing where they update the spreadsheet every week with what we're recommending. So I jumped back in to see what I'd recommended over the course of the year. And I think my top rec has to be I'm Glad My Mum Died, the memoir by Jeanette McCurdy. I recommended that to everyone in August. I gave it five out of five stars when I recommended it. And truthfully, I think it is the rec that has stuck with me the most over the course of the year. 
I just think it's an incredible book. I think it's very tied to pop culture. It's very relevant to this audience. You should read it if you haven't already. Did you end up reading it, Annabelle? I never did. Oh, wow. You I love it. Yeah. I listened to the audiobook as well and I adored it. I thought it was wonderful. Also, Jeanette McCarty reads it really beautifully. Yes. And I think there's something about hearing it from the person who's experiencing these very intense things, like her voice breaking or whatever it might be, I think is a really key part of the experience. So I loved that recommendation. I loved consuming it myself. Yes. What about you? Your golden wreck of the year. So I feel like there's been so much this year that I've loved consuming, but I, I think when I, you know, attacked this task, I thought to myself, <laughs> attacked it. <"Yes."> mean? <laughs> no, when I came to this task, I thought, what's the thing that stuck with me the most? Or what's the thing maybe I can't stop thinking about? And I think it has to be that episode of The Imperfects with Dr. Emily about truth versus mm, harmony, yes. because I think it is something that I would probably think about once a week when I'm in any kind of scenario. I'll constantly have this sort of thing moving through my mind, which is, are you going to tell the truth or are you going to play harmony right now? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I can vouch for you when you say that. You recommended this in May. We have had multiple conversations where you've paused and you've gone, are we choosing truth or harmony right yeah, now? Yeah, always. It's changed your life. Yeah, and I've got to tell you, I'm still not picking truth every time. <laughs> but it's good to be aware because sometimes there are times when I'm picking harmony and I know I'm picking harmony. And I know it's probably the wrong call in the moment, but I can justify it in my mind. And I think at least being self-aware about the fact I am picking harmony and that's my cross to bear. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Absolutely. Yes. In the moment you can go, I'm making the easier decision right now and it will be harder in the long run but that's the choice I'm making yeah and I think being so cognizant of that is the best so that's my recommendation if people haven't listened to that my god please do obsessed so good I loved that episode did you I think it altered my brain chemistry chemistry by like I don't know one percent because my brain's quite stubborn (laughs) but I loved that one it's quite a size of altering (laughs) well you're over 25 now so your brain stopped developing oh Oh, man Oh, wow. She, she crossed the threshold. Oh, you brain this year. Yeah, you can't date Leo. <laughs> well, actually, now that he's dating Gigi, maybe you can. But yeah, your brain's done. You're done. You're never going to get smarter than this. Oh, no. Is that the same age that people fully develop? Or Michelle's starting to freak out now that she's throwing out all these scientific things and all doesn't know? All I know is that apparently your brain stops developing at the age of 25. Yes. Oh, lucky my brain's already pretty perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like for men, though, it might be 45. Yeah. yeah. I think, well, well, oh. The argument that it never does. (laughs) Let's actually get into the COAs, Mish. Let's get into the awards. Let's talk about our first category for the day because we want to recap some of our favourite stories, as we've said. And our first category, our first award up today. Yes. Is Larrikin of the Year. It's Larrikin of the Year, guys. The nominees for Larrikin of the Year are... Building suspense for a second. Drum roll, please. Number one. Matt Black. Number one. (laughs) Yeah, now I feel like the name Matt Black to a lot of people might not be that familiar, Mm. but... What might be familiar is when we say, do you remember that guy, that Cairns Cafe owner who lied about serving Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson in June 2022? (laughs) Now, Matt originally posted it about this over on Facebook. He posted it to his close friends and family saying that he had fed Kim and her entourage. When that post started getting some traction and getting shared around, the ABC reached out for an interview 
which Matt Black accepted. Yeah, and I think the thing about Matt Black is he was just like so bloody specific with the details around this story. Our listeners might remember, like he told the ABC, we had to put our phones out on the counter. He also added that the security detail requested their CCTV footage remain private. (laughs) And he said there was just me and my barista. And to be honest, he didn't know who they were. He's just really out of the loop of that stuff. (laughs) Now that's, I think that for me, this, I mean, there are lots of parts of this story that have stuck out to me, but when people tell lies and they're so specific in their lies like the detail of the lie the creativity of the lie we absolutely adore it now people lost their minds because apparently kim was in australia and she hasn't been here for so long and not only that she was eating at one of let's just say one of the more mediocre cafes maybe we've seen absolutely no no shyness around that it doesn't look like the sexiest cafe in the world. We are cafe snobs here in Melbourne, but I think the average listener would agree this cafe doesn't look like the typical cafe that Kim might dine in. Well, it doesn't scream Kim Kardashian. It doesn't scream Kim K. Now, quickly, very soon after Matt gave this interview to the ABC, pap shots of Kim surfaced online. They were reportedly taken in the same 24-hour period and showed that she wasn't in Oz, but she was in like a sports car in LA. Yeah, 100%. And then by Friday afternoon, the story had been removed from the ABC website. So the Botanica Cafe, this cafe in question, <laughs> refused to comment through official channels. But Matt Black said on Facebook that the whole thing had turned into an absolute unbelievable <laughs> mess. Now, he told Tropic Now, he gave an interview to Tropic Now about the unbelievable mess that he just stumbled <laughs> into. And he said, people who know me know I stir stuff up on social media. I thought people were going to call me out. Next thing, the Cairns Post is trying to get a story. The whole day, the phone did not stop ringing. The LA Times, journalists from New York, everyone trying to get this scoop about them being in this little cafe in Edge Hill. It got to the point where I thought I'd have to answer the phone and give them something. The next call was ABC Radio, and I said I'd give them the scoop. Sure enough, it just exploded (laughs) even more. (laughs) He finished by saying, I just now need to hope that people see it for what it is. It was a little Matt Black joke. I'm a larrikin. I just do these things. I do think when it comes to this story, I knew I loved the story at the time, but I don't think I gave it as much credit as I should. We did title a whole episode after that quote. When I say I didn't give it as much credit as I should, I mean for just being a relatively harmless joke. Yeah. Like, and I think I'm all about harmless joy this year mm-hmm. and funny stuff. And this is one of those stories that I can think of where it's like, no one's heard in this. It was just absurd. It was amazing. I love Matt Black. I would give him hero of the year. I just think that's an incredible story to tell the public and lie about. Yeah, 100%. So that's nominee number one. Our Naturally, s- um, I'm a Larrick and I do these things. <laughs> that was second nominee. Liam Payne. Liam Payne. <laughs> Liam Payne. Liam Payne properly came out of the woodwork this year, didn't he? Because I just had never really thought about him before this year. Not really. Now, this one, I think actually before this year, all I really knew about him was that he had a baby with Cheryl Cole. Didn't Agreed. really last. And then, like, I think he cheated on someone somewhere. Yeah, he gave some quotes about it. Oh, this is going to be so vague from us. But he did that Diary of a CEO interview. And that's actually the first time we'd heard of Diary of a CEO. This was probably the year before. <laughs> I think it was last year. And we took the piss out of the name, A Diary of a CEO. Yes. And then <laughs> it's we, now our favourite we show. Like, we should find that segment one day. And we were kind of like, who calls their podcast A Diary of a CEO? Little did we know, a year later, it would be one of our favourite shows and like the biggest <laughs> show in the world. But he said on that interview, something self-flagellating about being a really terrible boyfriend and being unable yes. to keep relationships. And we were just a bit eye roll. Yes. But... As you said, apart from that, we hadn't really thought of Liam ever. No, we hadn't. And then he went on the Impulsive podcast in June and gave what are now some of our favourite quotes ever. 
One of the quotes was about an altercation he almost had when he was in One Direction and he kind of, I wanted to say got into fisticuffs, but I feel like that's a saying that's far too old for maybe ouch. No, I don't mind I that. I have no idea what that means. Fisticuffs. fisticuffs. I think it's like when you get a little bit of beef. I think my grandma someone. would use that word. Well, he got a little bit of beef with a fellow member of the band. Define fisticuffs. I've just done it. Fighting with the fists. Fighting <laughs> with the fists. Well, that's what he wanted to do because the quote he gave to Impulsive. <laughs> just doing the little action of fisticuffs. <laughs> the quote he gave to Impulsive was, there was one moment where there was an argument backstage and one member in particular threw me up against a wall. So I said to him, if you don't remove those hands, there's a high likelihood you'll never use them again. Which, which band member do we think this was with? Niall? I was going to say Louis. I would say Louis as well. I think Niall's too Actually, sweet. Actually, no, because we do, I mean, this is a bit of a spoiler, but we've been diving deep into One Direction recently. We <laughs> have. And I think one thing I learnt from spending a lot of time in the 1D archives, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, <laughs> is that... Louis, I don't think we need more hints. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> wink, wink into the mic. Is that Louis Tomlinson had maybe the loosest lips that he would yes. constantly be running his mouth when yes. he was a sort of in his early 20s and that kind of created some issues for the band. That or Zane. It would be Zane or Louis. I feel like Zane would be a bit too almost chill or maybe chill's not the right word. But Zane would be moody yeah. and broody mm. and I think maybe that would cause some tension. No, I think it's always the yappy one you're throwing <laughs> up against the wall. So that is nominee number two, Michelle. Nominee number three is Mr. Keith McNally. Apologies if none of you even recognise these names. We promised these were stories from the year. This was October. People will remember when we dive into this one. Keith McNally is the owner of Baltazar. He's that New York restaurateur who had all hell break loose over on Instagram and in the mainstream media when he decided to tell the world that James Corden had been banned from his restaurants. Yeah, this is what... I'm going to say this about all these stories, but this is certainly one of my favourites. Now, I think that we thought the easiest way to tell this story was to read out Keith's four different Instagram posts about James Corden over the space of a couple of weeks, which told quite the story, Michelle. It did. He started with one post on Instagram, which made international headlines. Now, it was one of those zoomed in, Google searched grainy photos of James Corden, <laughs> where he called James Corden the most abusive customer to my Baltazar service since the restaurant opened 25 years ago. He said, I don't often 86 a customer, which is to ban a customer, but today I 86 Corden. It did not make me laugh. It did not make me laugh. That was followed up by a second post that week that read, James Corden just called me and apologised profusely. Having fucked up myself more than most people, I strongly believe in second chances. Anyone magnanimous enough to apologise to a deadbeat layabout like me doesn't deserve to be banned from anywhere. So, you know, he's gone in really, really hard and then he's come back and said, you know what? Retraction, retraction, retraction. Full retraction. This guy is sorry and I am sorry too. Yes, Post number three came in. <laughs> the tune changed again. He said, I have no wish to kick a man when he's down, especially one who's worth $100 million. But when James Corden said in yesterday's New York Times that he hadn't done anything wrong on any level, <laughs> was he joking? Was he denying being abusive to my servers? I wish James Corden would live up to his almighty initials. Annabelle? Remember what that was? No, this, oh, this rings a bell. Oh, no, <laughs> no it does. JC. 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 Almighty on, initials. You're so close. Yes. Almighty with a capital A. Pray. 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 Jesus. 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 Oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. Sexy baby. That's yes. what the episode was yes. called. <laughs> we had this whole 
laughing in October as well. We are goldfish. Oh, yeah, we flies. are. No, I'm, I'm Your still... brain clearly needs to do a little bit more developing. <laughs> yeah. really I'm does. so glad we just did that. <laughs> Almighty initials and come clean. If the supremely talented actor wants to retrieve the respect he had from all his fans, all four of them, before this incident, then he should at least admit he did wrong. Mm, followed by post four. Again, all in the space of a week. Last word, dot, 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 times like a hundred. Last night on his TV show, James Corden very graciously apologised for his outburst at Baltazar. Takes a real man to do this. In the past, I've behaved much worse than Corden, but wasn't man enough to apologise. For this reason, I'm going to lift the ban on Corden and impose one on myself instead. I'm going to ban myself from Baltazar for two weeks. Do we think this was just a massive PR stunt? No! I just think he's... Do you think he's just like a bit unhinged? He's just a bit unhinged. <laughs> I don't think Keith McNally is sitting down with a PR team going, you know how I'm going to get some press for Baltazar. I think he's just a loose cannon. He's a larrikin. Yeah, I. you know what? He's just sitting back cacking himself at all of this. Yes! He's taking the piss with every line. And I just don't know what he actually believes, <laughs> truthfully. So that is nominee number three, our fourth and final nominee for Larrikin of the Year. Ladies and gentlemen, it is none other than Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, our boy. Our boy who started 2022 with seven children is ending the year with 10 and a further two on the way. Yeah, so on June 28, 2022, Cannon's eighth child, Legendary Love, was born. On the 14th of September, he welcomed his ninth child, Ice Cole. A week later, Rise Messiah was born to Brittany Bell. So that's sort of three kids in three months. And then in November, he told the world his 11th child was on the way. And that same month, he announced he was expecting his 12th. Yeah. Look, you have to get creative by the time you get to your 12th child. I don't know if With you get as names. creative as Ice Cole. Legendary love. Doesn't he have a powerful queen He has a powerful queen. Powerful yeah. queen. Might be my favourite of his 12 baby <laughs> I names. I don't mind legendary love as well. Legendary, mm. really? Uh, I don't know. I think I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> just milling some space. I think the words just came out. <laughs> All right, guys, who are our winners? I mean, we're going to have the audience poll and decide like we did the live show. But who were our winners? Annabelle, starting with you. Oh, it's got to be Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon? Yeah. I think Nick Cannon. It's a lot of babies. It is a lot of babies. <laughs> we can't argue with you there. It's committing to the cause for sure. Yeah. Zara? I think Matt Black. Mm. I think I think I can never, ever vote against a guy that says I'm a larrikin. I just do these things <laughs> in larrikin of the year. Like, how can we do that? And he wasn't lying. I think I'm torn. I'm torn between Matt Black and Keith McNally because Keith McNally truly unpredictable you don't know what's coming next and i like that about him yes but the little matt black joke yes which is why it's a tie no i'm actually gonna stop you right there i think no ties allowed pick a side Keith McNally. Yeah, there she goes. <laughs> guys, you can vote on Friday on our Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Of course, we will have your say Friday up and you can cast your votes. So we'll see your answers then. We will. Our second award. Guys, this year was truly the year of cheating, which means we had to have an award named Cheater of the Year. And the nominees are? The nominees are. Our first one, of course, is Sebastian Van McLeod. Emrata's little shit of a husband. <laughs> now, it was July this year, Mish, when Pap Shots first captured Emrata without her wedding ring on. Yes. Then Demois started posting blind items suggesting that Sebastian had kind of strayed. 
Can't that have strayed. <laughs> definitely strayed, which was then corroborated by an unnamed source who spoke to page six. Now, this was the middle of July, if you don't remember. That unnamed source told page six, yeah, he cheated. He's a serial cheater. It's gross. He's a dog. Now, I, I mean, I always will wonder who gave that quote. Yeah, he cheated. He's a serial cheater. It's gross. He's a dog. It has to be like a best friend or a sibling. You would want... Oh, I, no, but she's an only child, isn't she? I read her memoir. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, I believe she is an only child. Maybe a brother. I feel like brothers often get forgotten about. Oh, it, we'll go with only child. you guys forgetting your brothers. Yeah, <laughs> I don't forget my brothers. Tom Andrews, if you're listening, yeah. you're never forgotten about. I, I do think... a bestie had to be worded up about this i would word either of you up if mitch cheated on me either of you would get the call to be like oh i'd do it daily mail i would do it and i would i would say it's gross he's a dog or he's a pig yeah such a pig of a man i think dog is the best though dog is i don't know why it's so brutal but it is now i think the final nail in the coffin for all of this right listeners might remember (laughs) that m went on a bit of a liking spree on twitter and liked tweets, including this one, which read, can't believe that little bitch cheated on Emrata, <laughs> which I think is quite the power move. It is quite the power move. Our second nominee, Adam Levine. Of course. He evaded this story like something else. Now, this story was from September this year, Mish. And who could forget Sumner Stroh, the content creator with 300,000 followers, who revealed on TikTok that she'd been having an inappropriate relationship with the Maroon 5 frontman. Yeah. Importantly, Adam is married to Victoria's Secret supermodel Biardi Prinsler and has been for almost a decade. Biardi as well, when this story was breaking, had only just freshly announced her pregnancy with the couple's third child. Now... If that wasn't all enough, in her TikTok video, Sumner also displayed an Instagram DM from Adam Levine, which he apparently sent to her months after they, like, severed their little affair. The DM read, Okay, serious question. I'm having another baby, and if it's a boy, I really want to name it Sumner. You okay with that? Dead serious. Do we, like, the audacity... To put this, I know we said this at the time, but to put this under your bloody blue tick Instagram account is absurd. Now, a couple of other women came forward with similar stories. It was all really yuck. Adam had to do what cheating men often have to do, which is write an Instagram story apology. The notes app apology. And he posted on Instagram nearly a day after Sumner's original video surfaced, writing, I used poor judgment in speaking with anyone other than my wife in any kind of flirtatious manner, but I did not have an affair. To be this naive and stupid enough to risk the only thing that truly mattered to me was the greatest mistake I could ever make. I'll never make it again. I take full responsibility. We will get through it and we will get through it together. Ah. Now, Mish, a couple of things about this. We had a few issues with this statement. I mean, I'll always kind of cackle at the statement where the cheater says to be this naive and stupid as if it was like, oh, I'm such a little dum-dum. To be this naive. (laughs) I was so naive to think I could message other women. I'm such a young man who doesn't know how the world works. (laughs) I'm just naive. But that as well as we had a big issue right at the time with we we'll get through it and we will get through it together because we said on mic don't talk for her you can't we her you just yeah. cheated you got exposed for cheating on her you're, you're not a, a team. we for now yeah. this is an i apology mm. and it should stay and like stick to the usage of i however now that the dust has settled and we've had what three months or so to kind of sit with this story i think we were perhaps the naive ones. I agree with when that. When we read this statement to go, what a dick, you can't just chuck your wife in there and say, we'll get through it. 
You haven't even given her a chance to kind of sit with this story. I think what happened was Adam and Biardi knew this story was breaking probably for at least a week or two. They managed to somehow get on the same page in that time. She approved that statement and the usage of we because it was only a couple of days later that they were papped, looking happy as anything, strolling through the streets with like beaming smiles on their faces. They had a coordinated PR approach to this together and it worked. Yes, and I think for me this is likely the story that I was most wrong about over the year Oh, because I feel very much like with this story, I mean, I, I, I can't remember if I said this or if I just felt it, but I was like this story is a freight train train like this story is the kind of story where I mean maybe Tiger Woods is too extreme of a comparison but I felt very much like it felt like a new woman was coming out every hour a new story was coming out every hour and I was like this will ruin him Mm. and then it just didn't and it just died their coordinated PR effort worked and it just died and they're playing happy families and they maybe are happy families yeah we said this at the live show you and I have a big disagreement when it comes to the story I am convinced that part of the reason, in fact, a big part of the reason that this story died and nothing else came out is because Adam's telling the truth when he said he was sexting other women but didn't have a physical affair. I truly think if he had physical affairs, like with Sumner and other women, this would have kept going. It would have been this like freight train that no one could stop that did unfold like Tiger Woods. I truly think the way this died indicates he was a serial sexter not a serial in-person cheater. Annabelle, I see the nah. the disbelief on your face, but I, I stand by that. No, I feel like he was definitely cheating. I think he was physically cheating. I think he was sexting. I think he was yeah. doing the whole shebang. I Why agree. would she stick by? I, I Because some people are okay with, like, also they're having a baby together. Like, I mean, they've already got two kids, but they're having another baby together. Why would you stick by him? I think that's like more a complicated conversation and layered. And a lot of people have reasons to stay. Truthfully, it might not be the first time she realized this was happening it might be an arrangement she's not unhappy with mm. or a way that she can kind of I don't know Daphne and Cameron from White that. Lotus you yeah. just you know people have their own arrangements I think he was definitely physically cheating it will just be interesting on whether now he goes cold turkey or not yeah well he is posting on Instagram almost like normal he posted in December he's been like updating his fans with his whereabouts and what he's been doing but he has still got comments disabled oh <laughs> those comments what will be disabled. Yeah. they will be disabled for a very the end long of time. time now let's talk about our third and final nominee there's of course try guys is Ned yes now the internet's most unproblematic youtubers the try guys found themselves in quite the problematic storm when in September, I think it was a week after Adam Levine, actually. It was crazy. It was announced that one of their founding members, Ned Fulmer, was leaving. Leaving. So it turned out, Mish, he was having an affair with one of his colleagues, one of his employees, (laughs) I should say. Junior employees. Now, this was the same guy, of course, who over the last eight years earned himself the nickname The Wife Guy. (laughs) He literally talked about his wife, Ariel, all the fucking time. Like, loving wife, Mish, was his identity. His Instagram bio read, (laughs) at Ariel M. Fulmer's husband. Red flag. He Mm. all, yeah, huge red flag. Also released a date night cookbook with her last year. Yeah. Do not trust the wife guy do not trust the wife guy i would i still never would have seen this coming like this definitely was one of those examples where the guy who's so hell-bent on proving how good and nice he is is actually the guy to fear most of all i agree with that he also had to release a statement where he said 
Family should have always been my priority, but I lost focus and oh, had a consensual workplace it. relationship. I got distracted. Uh, once again, there must be a PR person who is the PR person or the statement writer for cheaters. Yes. A cheating men who says, just play a tiny bit dumb. <laughs> I, I'm a puppy. And I got dis- there was like shiny in the corner. <laughs> so those are our three nominees. Mish, I'm going to start with you. Who's your winner? I think it has to be Adam Levine. I don't think you can genuinely ask if you can name your unborn child after your ex-mistress and not win this award. All right, Annabelle? Ned. I'm still not over that. I'm still (laughs) shook by the Ned story. Well, he's not over it. He hasn't posted, neither is his wife, Aria. Yeah, they haven't said anything publicly since this happened in September. I think it's Ned as well because I think, you know what, Adam Levine never promised us to be anything more than a rock star. Mm. Ned Mm. Fulmer promised us (laughs) being Aria Fulmer's husband. He's a fraud. That's what he promised us and he didn't fulfil those obligations. So I'm He's gonna a say, dog. <laughs> I'm going to say Try Guys Ned wins my vote. Guys, we are going to take a quick break. After the break, though, we're going to announce the Golden Sioa. What is that? You'll find out shortly. <laughs> I'm sure they're waiting with bated breath. The <laughs> <laughs> first award from today's sponsor. All right, we are up to our third award for the day. It is Rising Star of 2022. And our first nominee, Annabelle Lee's queen, Julia Fox. Yay! Julia Fox. Now, guys, it was January this year when Kanye West and Julia Fox started dating. Now, Julia was known in some corners of the internet. I would hazard a guess not this one. No, no, I... No. I actually had never heard of her before January. No, neither. And then all of a sudden she exploded onto the mainstream when she was dating Kanye, now known as Ye. She started her own TikTok trend as well after she was interviewed by Alex Cooper on the Call Her Daddy podcast. Does anyone want to give us a rendition? Yeah. I was just sad to when you were at Uncle Jams. <laughs> nice. You're Uncle Jams. You're all looking at me. It's not my turn. Not <laughs> you don't want to go? That's fine. That is fine. <laughs> Since then, Julia has been been baiting the press in the most wonderful of ways i was on my honeymoon when you guys spoke about her trying to convince the world that she only actually dated kanye to be like a decoy away from kim and give kim some reprieve which we don't believe you know what we don't believe but we don't really care <laughs> oh we don't care at all mm. if she believes it i'll back her. i think a valiant story nonetheless <laughs> so that is nominee number one nominee number two Trisha Paytas's baby. Trisha Paytas's <laughs> baby. The baby of serial troller Trisha Paytas quickly put her hat in the ring for Rising Star when it was revealed that she is actually Queen Elizabeth II reincarnated Zara. Yeah, a huge gong for Trisha Paytas's baby. Now, for those who need reminding, on September 8th this year, Trisha tweeted that she was one centimetre dilated. <laughs> now, the following day, it was announced that the Queen had passed away. And so the indisputable fact that Trisha Paytas's baby was going to be the queen reincarnated became the top trend on Twitter. It sure did. Now our favourite tweets included this one which was like 626,000 times. You're laughing. Queen Elizabeth is about to be reincarnated as Trisha Paytas' baby and you're laughing. (laughs) Trisha had to respond or felt compelled to respond to all of this via a TikTok video which has since been viewed almost 20 million times. In that video she emphatically announced that no, her baby named Malibu Barbie 
was not the reincarnated queen. Really, though? <laughs> As if the reincarnated queen is not going to be called Malibu Barbie. That fits. She wouldn't tell us if she was. No, Queenie, and that's the Queenie's thing. Queenie's known for keeping things a little hush-hush. Yeah. Queenie would also <laughs> keep this hush. She is the reincarnated queen. And that is why she's the rising star. <laughs> Our third and final joint nominees of this category... Brooklyn and Nicola Peltz-Beckham. Of course, guys. Now, these two are exceptionally strong candidates for this award. They're, some might say the strongest. Some, mm. I mean, our live show audience would say the strongest. Yes. They won their vote. Now, the year-long campaign or maybe eight-month-long campaign for them to win this trophy began back in April. That is when they got married. It feels so weird to me that it was only April that Brooklyn and Nicola tied the knot. Absolutely. Now, rumours about a Peltz-Beckham feud or maybe a Nicola-Victoria feud kind of kicked off after the wedding when reports emerged that Victoria had given a speech at the wedding and not really mentioned Nicola. By July, the kind of reports of the feud were really, really rampant. I mean, apparently Victoria and David weren't stoked about Brooklyn changing his name. I mean, they flatly refused to call him anything other than Brooklyn Beckham, so I feel like that is true. <laughs> they call them Mr. and Mrs. Beckham in their Vogue piece yes. as well. Like, they just flagrantly ignored the fact that they were Pelts Beckham. Yeah, and Nicola gave a pretty interesting interview to Tatler when she said a move to the UK was essentially off the cards because Brooklyn and her love being close to her family. <laughs> <laughs> like, despite the fact his family are in England. Oh. And then she kind of gave a quote to the media that said essentially, oh, yeah, maybe people think that we had this feud because I was meant to wear a wedding dress designed by her, but then I didn't in the end. Yeah, Victoria pulled out of designing my wedding dress. And maybe then, that's why people think we're arguing. And then everyone was like, wait, we didn't really know that. But now, <laughs> thank you for telling us that. We that, believe this even more. Yeah, like that definitely makes sense. Yeah. That is the beginning of a feud. Now, Nicola was off doing that for half of the year. Meanwhile, Brooklyn was creating some headlines of his own. It was August when Brooklyn told the world that his $1.2 million McLaren, which is a very fancy sports car, was bought on account of him being like a world-famous chef. Yeah, that was one of the great TikTok videos of the year. And by November, he was busy inventing the gin and tonic. Because <laughs> remember when he quoted, I'm very experimental, I love trying to make new drinks. Brand new. So fresh. I'm very experimental. Now... My favourite fact about these two, we did go back and count. They featured in nine episodes of Shameless this year. If that doesn't sound like a lot, they only got married 31 episodes ago, which means they've almost cracked into 30% of Shameless episodes since they made their debut. I mean, I would say I'm surprised, but I do feel like I've spent half the year talking about them, so I don't think I am. It's like a Kardashian stat. They're Isn't giving it? Kim a run for her money with that. Well, and that's what they wanted, I imagine. Congratulations to their PR team. This is on them. <laughs> Who's our winner? Annabelle. Oh, it has to be Julia. I love oh, her energy. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think that checks out for you. Mm. It's got to be Brooklyn and Nicola, though. Yeah, I think Brooklyn like, and Nicola. Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's good from you, but it's not the correct answer. <laughs> the correct answer is Brooklyn and Nicola Peltz-Beckham. I think we can all agree. I think we absolutely can all agree. A second last category for the day, Mish. It's Clanger of the Year. Clanger of the Year. Guys, our nominees are number one, 
The Bachelor choosing three white bread bachelors and then getting bumped from the primetime spot. Yeah, trying something different and it not working. <laughs> now, who could forget this year was the year that The Bachelor tried to spice things up with not one, not two, but three bachelors. Bachelors. Only to give us three of the most white bread bachelors Australia has yet seen. Now, The Bachelor was meant to air this year but was suspiciously bumped for the real love boat Australia, <laughs> which was a cruise ship show that was sponsored by Princess Cruises. It was the it was the shittest you thing. watch this i watched one episode with my mother and i cannot i almost need people to go into tent play and watch it it was the worst of the worst when it came to australian reality tv and they still think that was better than running the bachelor well they did that's a worry and it was embarrassing because it was only like two weeks in that they did that whole like oh we're now moving it to the 9 p.m slot and we're running two episodes back to back to try and get it out of the way as quick as possible that made way for a show called The Traitors. Same fate happened to The Traitors. Same thing then happened to The Challenge. Like all these shows were slated to move ahead of The Bachelor or The Bachelors because apparently The Bachelors is so terrible. And all three shows were so, so bad. So The Bachelors got moved to an air date of Jan 9, 2022 when precisely nobody is watching television. So this no. will be fascinating to see what happens i think this has to be the last season of the bachelor before it kind of finds a new home i think this has to be the last season of the bachelor for a year or two before what like channel nine picks it up and tries to breathe some life has to be remember when we first found this out we found out it was three bachelors we saw photos of them and we got on this show and we're like well clearly there are going to be some queer bachelors like there must be a bisexual bachelor and there must be a, Have those a gay bachelor been confirmed or denied well i watched the promo and the promo is just women there's just women so it's three wait are you straight oh my bachelors that's what how, imagine as well if anyone was listening to that segment of Shameless involved in the show and we're going, oh, well, clearly, there's going to be some, like, <laughs> obviously, there's going to be some diversity in sexuality. They would have been listening to that going, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, our second nominee is Kim Kardashian, of course, because she wants you to get your ass up and work. Yeah, let's play the snippet of this quote. I think she does it best. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. You That's have to, so true. You have to surround yeah. yourself with people that want to work. Kim does it best. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't have to sort of practice that one. Now, this was from March, Mish. It was an interview with Variety. It was in the lead up to the Kardashians airing on Disney+. Plus. It was, I think, you know, one of the, they were on the PR rounds. They were giving every interview under the mm. sun. And I think it naturally poses the question of, PR stunt or dumb quote, maybe a combo of both. Yeah, I'm probably alone here. Oh, here we go. I'm not that offended by it. I feel like this was a big beat up. Like, yeah, it's an annoying, clunky quote. But she was asked, like, what's your business advice for anyone wanting to start their own business? Get your fucking ass up and work. Like, the next bit, it seems like no one wants to work these days, is annoying. I think I'm just not able to feel anything about much these days. Like, I'm <laughs> so, so oh, depressing. Dear. I'm just, I'm oh. not offended. I'm nowhere near as offended about things as I was three or four years ago on this show. I've got to say, zero offence at this now. I don't think I have that much anger about it at the time. I thought it was, like, kind of tone deaf and, like, not the smartest quote in the world. But it's not like I read the quote and felt anything, you know? Mm. Like, I truly, like you 
didn't feel much. I also think the important context is, of course, what you just mentioned, which was what's your advice for women in business, which is a very very specific type of question. Like you're only targeting that answer to women who want to get their ass up and work. That said, obviously, the story got a little bit more complicated when former employees of the Kardashians (laughs) came out and, you know, spoke about what it was like to work for them. I kind of think for me, you know, I think she probably intended to say things that were maybe a little more flammable when she was doing this interview. A little edgier. Yes, because she knows that it generates headlines. That said, I don't think even Kim Kardashian realised what a stir this was going to create. And then she kind of went, oops. This became so big. Like, I know it was back in March, but I remember people were so angry. Because it was a perfect TikTok sound, that's why. It was. It was the TikTok stuff on the back of it. You're so right. Our third nominee. Guys, if we're going to be coming for the celebrities and for Channel 10, you know we're coming for ourselves. Our third nominee is Zara McDonald. Thanks for having me. (laughs) She predicted back in May that celebrity gossip Instagram account Demois was over. Done, finito, finished. Now that the owner of the account, the identity behind the account, had been unmasked. Yes, that was something that I said. So in May, our listeners might remember, (laughs) the identity of Demois was revealed in a blog post and... Now, it became clear that the owner of the anonymous gossip account that we all love to follow is reportedly a former fashion blogger by the name of Melissa Lovello. And I came on the mic and said, surely the magic's stripped away now. Surely she can't be going for people in the same way that she has been because everybody knows who she is. Yeah, I don't actually think you're alone. I think I was agreeing with you. Maybe you went slightly harder. I think but I, I think was... we both had a clangor in this episode. Yeah, and I don't think it was our finest moment because... I feel Demois never been more relevant. I've never enjoyed Demois' content more. Demois, no one gives a fuck that it's not anonymous anymore. No, Demois thriving. Like she's got the book coming out. She's got the TV show coming out. I completely forgot her name is Melissa Lavello. We were saying at the time, oh, she can't ignore this. She won't be able to ignore this. Honestly, every time we say that now, I need to catch myself and go, is that true? Because half the time when celebrities ignore this shit. It goes away. It, it does go away. The idea that they need to respond to everything is patently false. Yes, and I think that is something I've learned this year hugely is because I do think this was the year that celebrities or influencers tended to ignore rather yes. than acknowledge head on. And I do think it has worked out for a few of them. So that's my <laughs> clangor. What's yours? My clangor is myself. I am the fourth nominee for when I defended Carl Anthony Towns' birthday letter to George Wood. <laughs> ah, never forget the beautiful, beautiful birthday letter from Carl Anthony Towns. Now, you guys might remember Carl Anthony Towns has been in a relationship with Jordan Woods for two years. Yes, that Jordan Woods, who's the ex-best friend of Kylie Jenner. The one who kissed Tristan Thompson. Of course. Now, mm. for her 25th birthday, he decided to go for an unconventional gift, to say the least, Michelle. Now, I love these two and I feel defensive of them at every turn. This one included, Carl gave Jordan a letter that read as follows. I know every year I have showered you with material gifts that people wish they could cop. King shit. (laughs) (laughs) But this year, your 25th year walking this earth, it's time to go from that girl to a full woman. You Uh. pick two businesses you want to start and I will fund them. It's time to take that next step and I will walk with you step by step in this thing we call life. Oh, I don't want to hear that ever again. Oh, no. People wish they could cop these gifts. King (laughs) shit. Go from a girl to a woman because I am now bestowing cash on you to start your own business because you're unable to do it yourself. I don't care. You little helpless woman. (laughs) I am giving him a green light again. Michelle says romance. (laughs) I, I, again... 
I don't have a fence. It clearly works for them. They're clearly happy in their relationship. She wouldn't have posted it on her Instagram stories if she wasn't happy with it. I'm not going to look at a woman and tell her to feel patronized. If Jordan didn't feel patronized at the time, if she was happy that he was helping her fund her businesses, fucking good on them. I stick by this. I'm not telling her she should feel patronized. I'm just saying he is patronizing. (laughs) I'm taking aim at him. Who are our winners, team? Annabelle, I'm going to start with you. Mm, I've actually forgotten like all of the nominees. You've got, you've got <laughs> Bachelors, Kim, Zara, moi. I'm going to go because I don't want to pick between you two. Oh, I'll go The Bachelors. I'm going to go The Bachelors too. I think it's a clean sweep. Yeah. The first one of the day. Channel 10. I'm sorry. so sorry. You guys are taking out Clanger of the Year. And our final category for the day, Mish, it is the most coveted award. <laughs> of the ceremony <laughs> it is the golden Sierra for the biggest pop culture story of 2022 yes. and we've got four nominees we're gonna start with harry and megan's netflix special now i know there's a tiny bit of recency bias going on here because yes. this is the biggest story of the last few weeks but i do think this is a pretty explosive story and will be the more time that goes on yeah and also guys there are updates that have happened in the last seven days that truthfully we just really want to fucking talk about and we couldn't find like a spot for it in today's show. So let's talk about Harry and Meghan's Netflix special. The final three episodes did air over the last seven days and they were far from glowing about the royal family. Harry and Meghan had some damning things to say about the royal family, in particular the future king, Prince William. Yeah, Will did not get the best edit, did he? He did not. Now, I think for me, some of the wildest allegations from Harry about Will is that Harry accused Will of screaming at him in front of Queen Elizabeth during a conversation about Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family. This was his quote about it. It was terrifying to have my brother um, scream and shout at me and my father say things that just simply weren't true and and my grandmother, you know, quietly sit there and, and sort of take it all in. Now, Mish, Harry also said that William broke a promise that the two of them have made about never pitting their offices against each other in the press. He also accused William of being trapped within the institution and showed how visibly kind of shaken he was after Will had texted him after that Oprah interview. Yes, Harry also claims that the palace put out a joint statement from Prince William and Prince Harry denying that William was bullying Harry, denying that there was a rift between the brothers. Harry claims now, though, that he never saw this statement, he never approved this statement, and that he actually believes the opposite of what was put in that statement. Here's a snippet that was aired in the doco. I was told about a joint statement that had been put out in my name and my brother's name, squashing the story about him bullying us out of the family. I couldn't believe it. No one had asked me. Within four hours, they were happy to lie to protect my brother. And yet, for three years, they were never willing to tell the truth to protect us. Yeah, now, in the wake of all of this, one of the biggest headlines, I think, to come out this week is Jeremy Clarkson. Yes, that really high-profile former Top Gun guy. Uh, Top Gear? Sorry, yeah. Top Gun! (laughs) Tom Cruise. You know what? That that is Tom Cruise. Are there there cars in Top Gun? 
Ah, uh, there's guns and. T- I think no, they're planes. Oh, they are planes. They're planes, not cars. Yeah. You know what? That really high profile top person <laughs> has made headlines because he published, or he wrote, I should say, a really disgusting piece that was published in The Sun that kind of seemed to prove Harry and Meghan's points, Mish. Yes. In an article that was published last Friday, Jeremy Clarkson wrote that he loathed Meghan Markle on a cellular level. This is what he wrote Meghan is a different story. I hate her. Not like I hate Nicola Sturgeon or Rose West. I hate her on a cellular level. At night, I'm unable to sleep as I lie there grinding my teeth and dreaming of the day when she is made to parade naked through the streets of every town in Britain where the crowds chant shame and throw lumps of excrement at her. Now, we should keep in mind, as you said, this was published in The Sun. The Sun is part of the Royal Rota and any publication in the Royal Rota is renowned for having a pretty tight-knit relationship with the royal family. The Sun was one of the main tabloids that Harry and Meghan took aim at in their documentary. The day after those three episodes aired, The Sun publishes this, proving everything they said to be absolutely true. Absolutely. This is one of the most disgusting things I've read, one human right about another. Like, And I know we said this last week, but it's like the level of intensity that people feel for these two is really scary Mm. for mine. Like, it's really, really scary. Now, Jeremy Clarkson was so widely slammed about this that even his own daughter posted an Instagram story distancing herself from his comments. And then after the piece was published, reports also surfaced that he'd just been dining with Camilla the week before on December 14 at a luncheon. And it wasn't just him, it was with Piers Morgan too and a whole bunch of other people. I think what's unclear about this story that people might have seen around is who does the guest list or who organises this lunch hosted by Camilla. But regardless, whoever sent those invites out, it's not a good look for the royal family to be schmoozing with the very people that Harry and Meghan are denouncing on their show. Yeah, there's been a lot of discourse online about what that Camilla guest list means. Some people are calling her a host. Some publications are running with that. Others are saying she was the royal guest of honour. Yeah. So it's not quite clear what she had to do with Piers Morgan and Jeremy Clarkson being invited. But what we do know is that they're all in cahoots with each other. They all sit in the same pocket of British society. They are all involved with each other. And what Jeremy Clarkson then left this lunch and soon after penned this piece about Meghan Markle, it's not to say that something as simple as a conversation between Camilla and these kinds of men happens. It's not to say that she walks up and goes, I hate Meghan, you should write this about her. But it is to say they're all in a friendly circle And the palace has done nothing, nothing at all to call out the son, to call out Piers Morgan, to call out Jeremy Clarkson, to call out anything Piers Morgan has said over the last five, six years either. They do nothing. Yeah, and I think, again, as we said at the top of this conversation, it proves Meghan and Harry's point, which is that the royal family need these sections of the media, no matter how ugly they are to maintain their own relevance. And so we'll continuously, you know, sit at lunch with them or have them in their pockets because they know that it's a means to an end. But when they're talking this way about members of the family, it's pretty abhorrent to me. So that is our first nominee for Story of the Year or for the Golden Sioa, I should really (laughs) call it. Our second nominee is, of course, the Will Smith Oscar slap. Yes, the slap, which feels like an actual lifetime ago now. In March, during the 94th Academy Awards, Will Smith walked on stage and slapped comedian Chris Rock across the face when Rock was presenting the award for Best Documentary Feature. 
Now, the slap, of course, was in response to Chris Rock's joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's bald head, which she'd been shaving since 2021 due to alopecia. Will Smith also yelled at Chris Rock something to the effect of, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Now, this story exploded. And largely because Australia, it seems like, were one of the only countries in the world that had a live feed to this that wasn't cut off. Some countries had their feed cut off. A lot, or most, I should say, particularly in the US, had it muted so you couldn't hear anything. Yes. And so when all this happened, so many people thought, this has to be a bit, this has to be a joke. Nothing this dramatic just happens in a way that's not scripted. But Mish, it was not scripted and it was not a bit. No, it was absolutely legit. I think as well because you could see that Chris Rock was so visibly shaken. Yeah, for sure. He he did not look okay. No, and he, being a comedian, it took him a little bit to regain his composure and know where to go next. Yes, absolutely. And also sad for the people who did win Best Documentary. That moment for them was completely overshadowed by this, like, very gross display of toxic masculinity as well. Absolutely. Now, I think what's really interesting with this story is it was like it got really muddied and really complicated very quickly, didn't it? There were so many layers to a story like this one where I think initially there was so much shock that happened with the slap and everybody jumps on Twitter or social media straight away and are just kind of expressing that shock. But then I think when people started to unpeel the layers and there were, you know, analysis pieces coming out left, right and centre, opinion pieces coming out left, right and centre, became a kind of muddy story to cover because it took a very long time for people to settle on what the mood was around this. Yeah. And also I think transparently this story came out on a Monday. We record Shameless on a Wednesday. So we had it happening. I think it broke around like 1 p.m. Melbourne time. I remember it being the afternoon that all of this was happening. We only had really a day and a half to then prep the segment and get on mic and speak about it. And truthfully, as I'm sure everyone listening will appreciate, I need time sometimes to figure out what I think. Absolutely. Even even beyond the mood of the room, how I feel about something, what my opinion is about something. Sometimes I need weeks or months or like a year. For sure. To figure out what I actually think and to properly get across the details. And I think this segment was the least enjoyable one to cover on Shameless this year because it felt so intense. Like the, the commentary online was so intense. It was so divisive. But also I think we had a lot of feedback from listeners in DM saying, if you say X, I'm going to be disappointed. If you say Y, I'm going to be disappointed. If you don't say X, I'm going to be really disheartened and I'm never going to listen again. And having that kind of pressure from a very, very vocal but very tiny minority is intense. And it's a lot to come onto the mic to and feel like you've got all these parameters dictating what you can and can't say. Yes, and I think the other thing that is interesting, and you mentioned the timing of the story too, was I think made our job that slight bit harder because as you say, it dropped on a Monday, we record on a Wednesday. And when you're kind of in that two or three day window of a massive story, one of the biggest stories of the last few years breaking, the mood can change really, really fast. We record on a Wednesday to get it ready by Thursday at 5 a.m. And even within those 24 hours, you're sitting there wondering, Will something come out later today that we'll kind of have to tweak? Like things can change so much at that time. And what was the mood or what was what you felt 24 hours before can fundamentally change. And I haven't felt like that around a story in ages. Like this just felt like one of the more complicated stories And it was just baseline, one of the most fucking insane things I've ever seen happen on the world stage. It was wild. It was absolutely wild. We know that a month later, Will Smith was banned from attending the Oscars for 10 years. 
I mean, people are already talking about a new movie he's got mm-hmm. coming out. So I, I know in the wake of it, everybody was saying he's going to struggle to get work, all of these kinds of things. But I feel like he's going to be fine. And what's most fascinating to me on the topic of what we were saying earlier in our episode is Chris Rock never said anything. He never acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. And I think... Truthfully, that was the smartest thing for him to do. Yeah, at the time, I remember thinking, oh, he needs to come out, he needs to address this. I was so wrong. I think I got this segment wrong in a couple of ways. I was wrong in that he didn't have to say anything. He got physically assaulted on an international stage and not saying anything actually removed his name from this story. It's so funny when we came to thinking, what are the big stories of the year? I forgot it was Chris Rock. I remember Will Smith slapped a comedian. I'd completely forgotten it was Chris Rock. And so... He was so clever. Whoever was advising him is a far smarter person than I. I got that really wrong to think and say that he should have to say something. But also I just got lost in the mess. The mess muddied everything when truthfully I should have gone onto that segment and said there is no excuse for physical violence full stop. There cannot be an excuse for physically assaulting someone. For sure. And I think the other thing is like when we're sitting here saying, you know, sometimes for us it can take days, weeks, months, a year to work out what we actually think and feel about something. Imagine being this person at the centre of it all. Like, Mm. I'm sure it was going to take him a long time to make sense of what he actually thought or believed. I wonder if he's even there yet now. So to expect someone to speak so quickly, I think that's one of my biggest takeaways from this year is stop demanding people say things straight away. I think we have this knee-jerk reaction, and I think I've said this on the show in the last couple of months, I think we have this knee-jerk reaction to expect people to acknowledge fallouts, controversies as they happen, as well, yeah. And say, where are you? Why aren't you speaking? And I really do think it does a complete disservice to our conversations and our discourse online because what I think it means is nine times out of ten people come out with statements that they don't believe. They're just trying to tick a box. And what we actually want is people to have a bit of time to sit on it and to come out with a statement they fundamentally believe. And can action, because so often as well, when you come out with a statement within 24 hours, you then have to re-release a new statement because something else comes out that you then need to tackle that. I agree with you. I think our demanding that people come out in the first day or two of something breaking is just unrealistic. If we expect people to actually properly sit with something and actually properly believe it and do it justice... We need to be patient. We have no patience no, anymore. I agree with that. And I, I do say, I'm saying all of this because I have felt and I still have a bit of an immediate reaction when stories happen to say, where are they? And I, I'm saying this for myself to remind myself as next year goes on, just chill the fuck out. Like let people come out and speak when they're going to speak. Yeah. I, I mean, I still agree. always expect people to eventually come out and say something when it demands it, but give them time. And our third and final nominee for the Golden CEO of Michelle is... The Don't Worry Darling premiering oh. at Venice. <laughs> <laughs> We're just doing a little dance. <laughs> oh, guys, of course. One of, we've gone from one of the trickiest stories of the year, one of the messiest stories of the year, to one of the goddamn most delightful, silly, fun, memeified stories of the year. Of course, Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde's movie premiered at Venice Film Festival in October. And I have never had a better time on this microphone in the five years of doing this show. I totally, totally agree. I mean, the whole thing was replete with Florence Pugh's absence from the press conference because she just refused to be in the same room as Olivia Wilde. Her eventual arrival in that purple Valentino set with Aperol in hand. We then, of course, had (laughs) Harry Styles spitting on Chris Pine and throwing a boat on Chris Pine and all of the other memes. It feels like a movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it feels like a movie. It feels like a movie. Like a real movie. Like a real movie. And I, I agree. There was such joy 
agree when it came to this story. I think this is my favourite celebrity story almost of all time. Well, we also had the backdrop of like all the drama with Olivia and Jason Sudeikis. It was layered. And Harry, the love triangle. It the, was The wild. nanny speaking to the Daily Mail. It was insane. So I think when it comes to my vote in this category, there's no doubt. There's no arguments. There's no competition. That Don't Worry Darling drama, premiere, everything has to be the best story we've ever covered on this show to date, not just this year. I think you're bang on because I think as well, we probably spent the least amount of time on that because we know the listeners know. We know Mm. they remember. We don't need to walk them through every little detail and give every little quote. You know this story because it was the biggest story of the year. Yeah, 100%. Annabelle, your vote? It's got my vote. It's got your vote. The Harry Styles story. Sorry, not the Harry Styles story. I'm just just obsessed with the Harry Styles story. And Michelle, your vote, of course. I think it has to be. I think it was a return to joy this Mm. year. I think we finally saw celebrities be able to like fully celebrity again after two years of lockdowns. And this would not have happened in 2020 or 2021. It was so of the moment. It was so right now. I am obsessed with every facet of it and I cannot wait for a few years to pass when we can cover it on Scandal. It's going to be like a seven-part series. Oh, <laughs> it'll be our longest it'll series It'll be the longest ever. we've ever done. Guys, I cannot wait to see what you are voting for, although we've basically given you no option in this <laughs> last category. As we said, we will be on Shameless Podcast on Instagram at midday tomorrow. That is Friday. Mm. We won't be answering your questions like we normally do because truthfully – We'll be fucking right off onto our summer holiday break. Yeah, guys, we've got to have a break. So we're we're just not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to do... We will post the winners, though. We'll post the winners. Everything will be on there. Our faces just will not be. But how are we feeling about the end of the year? Yeah, let's talk about that actually really quickly. What are you guys leaving this year thinking and feeling? Oh, I have enjoyed this show this year more than any other year that we have done it like work has been so joyful it was very tricky to do a pop culture podcast in the middle of a pandemic need to be self-aware not the trickiest job out there there were people who struggled with the pandemic far more than we did but like remote recordings are kind of shit and then the celebrities were never doing anything we had to like fill some of the episodes with some of the most god knows what (laughs) lackluster content under the sun and you guys stuck with us thank you for that but it was so wonderful to hit this year And every Tuesday, which is when we kind of sit down and go, okay, what's in the episode this week? Every Tuesday, it felt like we had a surplus of content. We had too many stories some weeks to squeeze in. And that is such a delight to feel like there's so much happening. There's so much to update the listeners on. Joy is the kind of theme of the year for me. I'm exhausted sitting here. I'm feeling quite burnt out. But I'm so joyful and so grateful for the year that was. Yeah, 100%. I think that's been bang on. I think the other thing that's been interesting is like the show has been very joyful and relatively easy to put together, particularly after June. I think mm. this the back end of this year was really strong when it came to the news cycle and it meant that we can put on a better show when that happens, to be honest. But I also think work-wise on the other side of it like the stuff that people don't see running a business has been the hardest year I would say well we're almost a team of 10 yes and I think you and I definitely looked at each other more than once this year I mean probably more than once a week this year and thought wow lots of growth this year and I think that's what we just kept putting it down to being like well shit's hard it's really 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 hard but I also feel like again and it's like the greatest cliche in the world well at the very least I've learnt more than ever like we've made mistakes we've made decisions that we would never make again those kinds of things nothing 
earth shattering, but just decisions where it's like, fuck, I wish we didn't do that. We'll just never do that again. Learning how to run a business, you're so right. It's been the hardest Interesting lesson. This year, that's definitely been the biggest thing for us this year, for sure. Annabelle, what about you? I think that 2022 has been my favourite year yet. Oh, I don't remember the I early years of life, you. but I think, I think it's it been a really been. lovely year. What's made it amazing for you? Well, this year was the first year that I worked full time. Oh, yeah. It's silly to Which say, but it feels bizarre because it yeah. felt like you've been around the whole time, like full time. Yeah. But I just feel like weirdly, this is the first year I felt like an adult. Yeah. And I yeah. felt like I've done well. <laughs> like, you've done so it's felt well. like a really stable year which is great we love stability I think there is something really nice about going full-time for the first time and realizing that your weeks are very easily sectioned like I always liked that and I know it's not for everybody but I found that routine quite a relief to be like I go to work and I come home and when I'm off I'm off and then I have the weekends and my schedule is aligned with a lot of other people yeah but I agree with you both it's been a joyful year a year full of growth for us all bring on next year yeah joyful I mean, growth but also stability, stability. Theme of the year. <laughs> yeah, what is next year gonna bring who knows do i did ask a, do we have a word for the year i, I was gonna say yeah. do that we had this conversation at our christmas party and <laughs> i remember mine i remember yours megan, i just don't megan know if you markle. want to say it or not <laughs> megan markle was talking about her yeah. word maybe that's why we're on asked. harry and megan yeah. yeah i don't know if i ever got to mine yours was leaning in mine was we had a couple thrown out yeah. there for me we had courage we had a romance <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know if you want to say romance Leaning in. Yeah, you, you want to perhaps get in the dating game. I think courage would be the word to go Courage. With. Yeah. Love that, putting yourself out there. <laughs> My word, I remember saying it quite tipsy at the Christmas party, but now it has a very I can't me. remember what mine is. My word, you came up with a great... Oh, wow. Yours was wow. wow. Yours was wow. Wow, because I think anyone who listens to our book club episodes will know I read oh, with Annabelle, Cleopatra and Frankenstein, and there was like this really beautiful passage in that book about being awestruck by mm. things. And I, I remember reading that thinking, you know what? I'm not awestruck enough and I don't say wow enough. Like, I think I have my head down too much. I'm constantly in work or if I'm not in work, I'm in like a book. Like, I feel like constantly my head is or down. Or you're thinking about the future instead yes. of thinking about right now. I feel like I'm just constantly wired a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for me, reading that was pretty clarifying to remind myself I need to look up and breathe and not be trying to plan so much in the future and just be sort of awestruck by what's around. Yeah. As you said that, I remember what my word was because I think ours are slightly linked. Mine was enjoyment and exploring. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like I'm going to Europe. It's only for three weeks next year, but going to Europe with Mitch and having a couple of trips across the year. I just want to enjoy life. Like I want to be able to kind of invest in myself and just be able to enjoy things without feeling guilty about it next year and looking forward to the opportunities that we couldn't have in 2020 and 2021. I'm so ready for that next year to have a big year of enjoyment. Guys, that is all we've got time for today. We promised you a bumper end of year app and I hope that's what we have delivered. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening there's been more of you this year than ever we've grown a lot yeah we've grown heaps this year so if you did find us this year thank you so much for jumping on the bandwagon that is this show we are eternally eternally grateful We've got scandals for you over summer. We promise we never leave you with nothing. And newsletters as well. We have a lot of content running almost as usual. You won't have your Thursday episodes, but you will have scandal. You will have newsletters. Still a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. And we will be back in your ears. We're actually not taking as long of a break as we usually do. So we will be back on January 12th. That is Thursday, January 12th, properly. 
And uh, we will be talking about the stories that broke over summer, which is also really joyful to do because we yeah. have so much to catch up on when we get back. A hundred percent. Thank you for an awesome year, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to you two for being the best people to work with ever. Aww. I am so grateful for you both. And I can't wait to have a break, but I also can't wait to come back and do it all again. You're looking forward to the break. I am looking forward to the break. <laughs> equally, we are equally excited to be back at work. Yes, I'm already <laughs> looking forward to walking back in here. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.